What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Liberty Pole. This is your host, Cole Williams, and I'm here with my two co-hosts, Blake Bachelor and Rock Stevens. How's it going tonight, guys? Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. You guys uh, ready to get your vaccines? Oh, yeah. I'm ready know. to take the jab for big government. No, not big government. <laughs> big pharma. Get it right. Big pharma. These are private corporations. Both, they can no. do what they want. <laughs> right, right. They could do what they want. That you know, that's the left's argument when it benefits them is is they can they can you know they can they can set up a gulag in the back of Sam's Club, but and then make you pay the uh, club fee. <laughs> yeah. Really feed Oh, you're paying a club, a club fee yeah. for the big subsidies yeah. for retail <laughs> markets and innovative <laughs> markets. Don't worry. Oh man, so. We actually got a lot to talk about tonight. We were going to go with a historical episode, which we've been meaning to get to, but uh, Blake and I were talking earlier in the week, and we decided to stay on some very, very interesting and important topics that have been in been in the news cycle lately. And you know, I'm going to just give a spoiler alert. I'm going to say a quote from Joe Biden tonight that is incredibly based, as in the most based quote from any president in the last 20 years. Mm. Yeah, so so maybe we'll find ourselves Fighting. agreeing with Joe Biden. Yeah, you know, I I, I, I don't, I'm not sure that I can point to one thing Biden's done in his administration so far that I agree with. I mean, I, can y'all help me out on that? I mean, I'm not sure, but what I, what when I read this quote to you guys about our involvement in Afghanistan, you're, you're just gonna take a step back and you're gonna say, man, this guy might be based on foreign policy, and maybe it's because Bo died at the burn pits. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> but uh. You know, we wanted to talk a little bit about the withdrawal from Afghanistan that Donald Trump did start. That That is a fact, and we've talked about this on the podcast. You know, Blake and I actually, we did an episode on this, right? Correct. I mean, correct, Blake? Uh, foreign policy? Yeah, I know we talked about this at some point. You know, we talked about Trump and, and his, his foreign policy, and sorry, I had to fix my mic. You know, I, I don't buy that we have to be praising Trump for our withdrawal from Afghanistan because, quite frankly, he had four years to do it and it didn't happen. So, yes, he set a date, and he was he set that date hinging on the fact that he thought he was going to get reelected even though he lost the popular vote in 2016. And, and honestly, he was facing a much more formidable candidate than he was in 2016. As much as people like to say that Joe Biden was not a formidable candidate, he was much more alluring to the Democratic Party and to the left in general than Hillary Clinton was. And and he hinged this date on he was going to get back in office to pull us out of Afghanistan. I just don't really buy it. I think he passed the buck. I really, you know, but me and Blake have talked about it. And I think that an important part of the Trump administration and the Trump craze that has swept over us in the last six years is that Donald Trump really made it cool to be anti-war on the right. And I, I, I'm not going to downplay yep. that. That's a big deal. And you know who else has as much? You know, I like Tucker a lot. And I think Tucker's done some good things. And he, and he has some bad stances on stuff. You know, me and Tucker could probably argue until we're blue in the face about economics. And I'd be right, of course. But Tucker's really <laughs> made it cool to be anti-war. And it's like Dave Smith says all the time. It's so important to have somebody who's so anti-war and anti-intervention in the prime time spot and the biggest news network in America. I mean, that really, so those two guys, you know, before we even get into this, I do got to give them credit on that. That, that really can't be downplayed. Yeah. I don't think anybody would have imagined that now 
what, uh, since 2008, the Republican Party was run by George Bush and Dick Cheney and some of the worst warmongers you can imagine. And now, like you said, the number one primetime show on cable is a conservative that's completely anti-war. Donald Trump was, you know, crapping all over the Iraq war and the Bushes over that for years. He ran his campaign halfway or partly on that. And uh, yeah, like you said, it can't be understated how how important it is for the Republican Party to kind of make that swing away from warmongering. It hasn't completely. There's still the Liz Cheney's and the Lindsey Graham's and stuff. And but the Tim Kennedy's. Apparently. Yeah, the Tim Kennedy's and yeah. You know, Kennedy was making his rounds on social media, telling you know, telling us from experience he knows who he fooled. Yeah, Tim, yeah. because it, it worked. It worked great for the last twenty-five years, Tim. <laughs> As a matter of fact, our, our interventionist policies have worked great since for the last since nineteen fifty-one, Tim. So, yeah, so kind of we were gonna, you know, I wanted to say that before before we really got into anything else, but Biden's administration has really been bullish on taking the troops out of Afghanistan. And, you know, that, that really is shocking, but I'm, I'm happy about it. He might win my vote in 2024. (laughs) Not really. And he's not going to make it that far, (laughs) but you know, being a little facetious, but you know, it it is an issue because people are looking in the news and, and the corporate press has obviously, as we all know, an incentive to play up the Taliban's response to us leaving because the corporate press along with the corporate elites want us in Afghanistan for years to come. And the reason why is because it benefits the corporate elites and the military industrial complexes. And it gives us some sort of geopolitical foothold in the middle East to check the powers of Russia and China, even though Russia and China really would be a much better trade partner than they would be enemy considering we all three have a bootload of nukes. But, well, the, the China and Russia thing brings up kind of a downside to what we think the Republican Party is going away from anti-war. But a lot of times you'll hear them say, you know, we've got to pull them out of Afghanistan and Syria and the Middle East so we can focus on our real enemies, China and Russia. Yeah. So it's maybe not that they're, they've completely come to the good side, but they just think we've got different enemies right now. Well, yeah, it's like it's like saying that we don't want to go turkey hunting anymore because it's too dangerous, and, and we're instead yeah. we're going to go bear hunting with a spear, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, but F, I mean, the Taliban is making advances in Afghanistan as we speak, and when Americans turn on the news and they have Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, all these corporate news media establishments pushing this narrative that if we leave, this this country is going to collapse. Yeah, it's going to collapse. It's going to collapse into a civil war, which has been in for 30, 40 plus years. And guess what? Us being there for another 20 years is not going to change that. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result and getting the same. And we've been locked in a vicious cycle of insanity from a plethora of elected leaders from either side of the aisle. And it blows my mind that somebody like Tim Kennedy, who does have a big voice, and I agree with Tim on some stuff. I mean, I, and, you know, obviously I respect him for what he did and, and what he did overseas and what he's done for our country, whether I agree with his, with, 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 with the direction of the war, I respect what he did. But it blows my mind that Tim spent all that time over there and lost so many friends and sees that we are literally in the same situation we were when we entered Afghanistan in 2000, because we were in Afghanistan before 9-11. I'm not sure, a lot of people don't know that. And then we really got in right after 2001 to hunt the Al-Qaeda, which we should have been doing. 
But you know, we we're we were basically in the same situation we were in that in 2021 that we were in in 2001. And people like Tim Kennedy and other you know big big influencers with the big voice are telling us that we shouldn't leave this place because things are going to change. Yet these people will disparage Joe Biden and his leadership. Yet trust Joe Biden to to do the job better than our previous three presidents. I'm just not. I don't follow the logic there, but I can understand how people would get swept up in this propaganda of the Taliban's going to retake the country. And I do want to make a I want to make a distinction as well. The Taliban is not the group that attacked America. Are you, I mean, are, are, are you too clear on that? Because there's a lot of people who are not. People right. equate the Taliban to Al-Qaeda. Yeah. The Taliban was actually natural enemies with Al-Qaeda. And they wanted that. Yeah, they're evil people. Don't get me wrong. They are evil people, and they wanted to sell, set up a caliphate in Afghanistan. But these people are natural enemies with Al-Qaeda. So when we went into Afghanistan and pushed out Al-Qaeda, we set up the Afghan National Army and the Afghan National Government in Kabul. And... Obviously, that created a civil war because the Taliban wanted power as well. So we spent the last 20 or so years actually fighting the group who was the natural enemy of the group we went in Afghanistan to fight. So once we drove al-Qaeda past the Pakistani border, the Taliban was it. And we've been fighting the Taliban, you know, with the help of the Afghan National Army for years. And guess what? Nothing's happened. We've really not done anything substantially in the way of creating a flourishing of human rights in Afghanistan or economic progress i mean we've created a little bit we've made some roads and some infrastructure through there but really the taliban it's, it's the taliban's fight to win i mean the corporate news me i mean the media they're they're right the taliban is going to take over the afghan national army and probably take over kabul pretty soon after we leave but that's going to happen in 15 years after we leave so there's no reason for us to spend trillions and trillions more dollars more american lives and more american air power to fight this inevitable uh tsunami that's going to happen as soon as we leave just like in vietnam i mean we 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 all but asked the north vietnamese to give us 10 minutes before they took over south vietnam or, or the communists in south vietnam to give us 10 minutes before we airlifted our last official out yeah. to not make us look stupid and they did it anyway and and we spent two what 20 years in vietnam in a much more vicious war and yet we can't learn our lesson we armed al-qaeda we armed the taliban against the soviet union the soviet union crumbled and then we take the soviet union's place it's insanity Yeah, like you said, if we had left Afghanistan a year after we went in, if we leave now, or if we left in 50 years, the Taliban's going to overrun the capital. They're going to take over the country. That's just what's going to happen. The Afghan National Army that we've set up isn't hand, it's not going to be able to handle anything. They can't operate the Air Force without our help or do anything like that. Um, as far as like the Tim Kennedy thing, I think a lot of what plays into that is people like himself. who He, he did sacrifice a lot. He's sacrificed his whole life for it. He's made it his whole career as his identity and whatnot and it's hard for somebody like that to really you know admit that they got fooled at some point i mean you know you either got to admit you were wrong like you you know wasted 20 years essentially or you got to dig your heels in like i think he's done and uh you know try to justify everything and that that doesn't just happen with you know foreign affairs it's a lot of the problem in politics i think yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. It's, uh, you know, like even Pat Buchanan, who who helped Nixon really escalate the Vietnam War. And, and Buchanan's pretty yeah. solid on intervention and isolation now. But even Buchanan, yeah. he spent so much time and energy vying for that war that was such a failure. 
he couldn't bring himself to say that it was a failure. And, and I think that's very telling for what you just made a point about is the, like people like Tim Kennedy, once again, a lot of respect to the man. I mean, he's, he's the ultimate American and he's, he's what you want. If, if people were attacking our country, you know, I want Tim Kennedy on my team. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying, Rock? But I, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. You, like Blake said, you get so entrenched and you and you spend so many resources emotionally, mentally, physically and, and spiritually into a, a project that was an abstract failure and something that you really didn't understand. And, and let's be honest, you, you were propagandizing to going over there. And, and that's not a knock on him. That's not a knock on our troops. I, I have great respect for our troops, especially the ones that go and fight. I don't care what kind of war it is. I have great respect for basically any troops that will go and fight for a certain cause but at some point man you've got to like read a history book and realize that every single empire and we are an empire let's be clear every single empire that is overextended has crumbled thereafter the english empire the german austrian empire the french empire the byzantine empire the mongolian empire alexander's empire the roman empire the persian empire i mean you could go on forever and ever. I mean, honestly, it's just, it's the principles of government because we're focusing and we're meddling in other people's affairs. We're dumping money. We're dumping human resources in other people's affairs, half the world away that has no ties to our country anymore. And, and we're not worried about what's, what's, what's brewing in the crock pot in our own country. And, 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 and there's a lot of pressure building up. We, we've devalued the American dollar. We, we have no faith in public officials. Thank God that's becoming a trend. Uh, we, you know, we're, we're seeing the erosion of individual rights. We, you know, we're, we're seeing the erosion of, of, of the isolationist attitude of the American people that was held so strong until 19, the 1930s and forties. And I, I think that's a, uh, to me, it, it's really sad that people can't see that for what it is and, and really sift through the propaganda from both sides. Uh, I don't know what, what, what are your opinions on, on what we've talked about rock? Cause you've been a little bit quiet. Yeah. I think I've been yeah, talking to everybody. Listening. No, I mean, I, I kind of, what, what Blake's talking about with people making it their identity. I, I think you could really, uh, you could support the military and realize what they're doing in some situations isn't necessarily the best thing, but you have to, I mean, if you go and serve like that, you don't really get to do your own thing. And um, same thing, I mean, if you want to put it that way, it's kind of like, obviously, like you were saying with Vietnam back in the day, it's not like you're going to belittle their sacrifice for the people who went over there and served the country. Um, that's definitely not the case. And I think some people take isolationists and people who say we want to draw out of Afghanistan as people who um, automatically they feel attacked and say that you don't support the military or you don't support their sacrifice or that you think their sacrifices wasn't vain. But I think there's a, there's a common ground that many people don't think about when, uh, when deciding like whether you should be there in the first place or not. So, I mean, I, I get, I get it can be definitely hard if you're out there with your, with your brothers and you go and you see a, one of your friends get blown up right beside you and you don't think that you should be out there, but I mean, yeah, I I agree. I agree with you. I definitely agree with you that you can simultaneously hold respect for the troops that have fought. I even hold more respect generally for people who fought in Vietnam because they were conscripted, which is evil. 
into a war that didn't need to be fought as opposed to the Afghanistan war, which, which we've, you know, at this point, we have a very efficient way of propagandizing our young men to join a cause that they don't necessarily understand whatsoever because yeah. they've been lied to. But I people like Tim Kennedy, I mean, back in his day, whenever he was going, um, is still like the, the cool thing to do. I mean, you know, what I'm saying? like I'm not saying it was it, it was nowhere near a draft, but almost everybody felt like it was the right thing after 9-11. Oh, no, for so sure. They're like they're like, yeah, we need to go and serve our country and we need to go kick the bad guys since they kicked us. Oh, for so, sure. I mean, you see the same kind of thing going on with uh, American Sniper in the movie and stuff like that. So I think that was a even though it wasn't a draft, it was heavily pushed within everybody. I mean, I'm not even going to say that it wouldn't have been if the same thing happened today. Um, it probably would. Yeah, so I, I, no, I completely agree with you. And to be honest with you, even so even me now as, as a libertarian, a pretty staunch libertarian, anti-war guy, you know, if I, I put myself in, in the shoes of an 18-year-old who sees our towers get knocked down and almost 3,000 Americans die, I'm probably signing up to join the infantry, to be honest with you. I get it. I do get mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But at some point, we have to realize that this vicious cycle has to stop somewhere and the inevitable is going to happen because the stronger force in Afghanistan is the Taliban. There's no other way around it. We can't stay. We can't keep training up the Afghan National Army. The only thing we could possibly do is send in, send in a massive invasion with specific goals to absolutely wipe clean the Taliban. And you know what's going to happen as soon as we do that? We're going to create 10 times the number of the Taliban and other countries who are going to come straight into Afghanistan as soon as we leave again and fill that vacuum and create another caliphate. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens every time. Yeah, we it always happens. Every East. time a power vacuum opens, somebody's yeah. going to fill it. It doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter if it's gangs or anything. And anytime yeah. there's a power vacuum, someone fills it. Correct. Yeah. It, I mean, it's just it's it's the laws of foreign policy, man. Especially in a an erratic place like the Middle East. And you know, I was reading that that the Taliban has now taken over sixty five percent of the country. It's it's nearly inevitable that they take Kabul and and take take the capital and, and overrun the Afghan government. I mean, it, to be honest, the government that we set up in Afghanistan, which is not our right to do in the first place at all. Yeah, that's not a legitimate government. Yeah. No, it is not a legitimate no. government. I wouldn't say the Taliban's a legitimate government, but they're also fighting an uh-huh. illegitimate government as well. And this is not uh-huh. our affair to be meddling in. These people don't operate on the same principles and, and societal carrot and sticks that we do in which we, 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 hold democracy and like a democratic republic in such high regards they they just don't operate in that system and we can't change these people we don't even i would venture to say that the majority of these people don't even understand the difference between a sunni and a, and a shiite and, and yeah. i'm talking about the people who are advocating for it because they just have not they've not read into the history of this place they've not read into the reasons why we're actually there they just I and mean, i'm not blaming them but they just don't know so so I would just encourage anyone listening to this podcast, like, please, you know, educate yourself on what's actually gone on in Afghanistan and Iraq and Libya and and Syria and Tunisia and places like that and Egypt and um, Qatar and Saudi Arabia because it, America is in the, the invading force in those places at this point. And, and we have to come to the realization that the Taliban legitimately is a freedom, a freedom fighting organization. Do I, do, yeah. do I, do I agree with their methods? Absolutely not. I think they're evil people. I wish they'd get wiped clean off the face of the earth. But as soon as you do that, just like what we talked about in our drug episode, 
that vacuum's going to get filled, especially in a place like the Middle East. Yeah, and it's like a lot harder said, with okay. with people. Yeah, it's a lot harder with organizations that are kind of decentralized, like the Taliban. Um, it's not like you can just go in and take control because there's always little separate cults that sprout out of the main well, Taliban. Well, they're and they're I mean, it's so never going to end. They're fairly. They're fairly. They're fairly organized. Uh, so I, this is this is what I was saying earlier in the episode. I think people get the wrong ideas that they think that the Taliban's like a bunch of sleeper cell terrorist organization like Al Qaeda or Hezbollah, you know. And and that's just not the case. Like the Taliban is is like a a better organized ISIL, you know, like something like something comparable to that. But the yeah, Taliban is, yeah. I, in my opinion, much more beneficial to the United States taking over than ISIL. But yeah, I understand your point, Blake. What were you gonna What were you gonna say? Well, just to that, I think there's a big problem just with uh, opinions of the Middle East in general. As a bunch of people don't realize that at one point, and still in some places, these these countries had thriving cultures. I mean, Iran's got big cities. Tehran's like a big. It's an industrialized modern city. I think a lot of people when they they watch the news and they see the fighting going on over there, they think everybody's like goat farmers that live in huts and they're not real people. <laughs> and you know. I mean, in Afghanistan, is, that's a pretty well, Afghanistan good description. Afghanistan isn't, yeah. isn't as industrialized, but what I was going to say is, like you said, Afghanistan was never supposed to be a nation-building mission. We were supposed to go in, find bin Laden, and get out. That obviously didn't happen, uh, seeing as how we're 20 years into it, and bin Laden's been dead for 10 <laughs> And we didn't even find him in Afghanistan. We found him where all yeah. the Al-Qaeda members actually were after, what, 2003 in Pakistan. Yeah. And yeah. where we hunted down and killed terrorists and civilians alike, with no, no regards to what was actually what, and counted them as uh, terrorist kills when we when we drone striked them there. But yeah, right. I, exactly. We really never had the intention of going into Afghanistan and rebuilding that nation. But when we saw that, you know, the Taliban wasn't actively fighting al-qaeda like we like them to we set up a government and guess what happens when you set up a government in the midst of another government a civil war is going to happen imagine that <laughs> you know I mean, it's like these people have never read a history book and, and you know that civil war is going it's going on now as soon as we leave it's going to ramp up and i'm just going to tell you now this will be earmarked because it's going to be online the taliban will take over afghanistan and the world's not going to end i mean they're they're not good people but Let's be honest. It's not our fight to lose or win. And you know what? Actually, I, I do want to add in this Biden quote I was talking about. So Biden said, you know, in regards to saying that he doesn't regret his plan or his administration's plan to leave Afghanistan, he said, and quote, we spent over $1 trillion over 20 years. We've trained and equipped with modern weapons over 300,000 Afghan forces. We've lost thousands of men. They've got to fight for themselves, fight for their own nation. I mean, that's pretty based, man. Yeah, I did not expect that from Joe Biden, you know. That's that, just of it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I generally agree with that entire statement. I wish we had left early. And, you know, I'm actually working through a book right now about, about like, kind of like a, a Middle East overview or America's involvement in the Middle East, an overview of that. And, and the author really kind of outlines that Joe Biden has, has changed on his foreign policy outlook, which, you know, is a positive thing. So I'm pretty happy about that. I'm 
I'm happy about, you know, that quote. It gives me a little bit of hope. I thought Biden wasn't going to take us out, but at this point, he's really kind of fighting the swamp himself. So, so which I never would have thought, considering he's the swamp monster everybody wants to fight. Yeah. But, you know, and, 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 and another thing, this was reported by Anti-War with Scott Horton. The U.S. has thrown their air support behind the Afghan National Army, which, you know, to be expected. But very recently, they destroyed a school and in um, the same day destroyed a health clinic, killing over 20 civilians. So I'm just going to, you know, throw that out. Just that little factoid out. It's, uh, you know, a well, tangent. targets at all. Yeah, it's, it's tangently related to, to our discussion. But uh, Puli Kumari, uh, uh, a rather large city in Afghanistan, very recently, like within the last day, fell without a fight from the Afghan National Army. They took off running into the desert when the Taliban approached. So, yeah. so kind of piggybacking off, never thought I'd say this, what Joe Biden said, we've got to let them <laughs> fight for their own nation. If they won't do it, how can we expect to stay there and keep training them and dumping money and resources into a place where as soon as we leave, they're going to turn and run at the first sight of trouble because they know as well as we do the Taliban's going to win this conflict. And if they don't, great. And if they do, great. We need to worry about our plethora of problems at home. Yeah. I'd love for there to be liberty in Afghanistan and all over the Middle East and the rest of the world, but you can't spread freedom and democracy or liberty, you know, yeah. with a gun and bombs and killing kids and whatnot. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, we America would have to go there and colonize it and make it another state for that to happen. It would be close to impossible. Yeah, we've tried it a bunch. Yeah. I mean, you know, we can kind of shift from this discussion. I feel like we've covered Afghanistan even a little bit longer than we were expecting to, but I mean, this is a a huge deal like we this is a war that we've been in for 20 plus years we've gotten we've gotten nowhere in it and we've lost many many good men with great intentions to this war and we're in the same exact place where we started and the corporate media is throwing all their weight behind the narrative that we should be staying in afghanistan so i mean this is yeah. something that we really did need to talk about but we can kind of shift oh, i'm sorry blake before we go that's why it's so ridiculous i hate when like Rock was saying, when somebody criticizes the war or foreign policy, they act like we're criticizing the troops or what they did. But the reason I hate it so much is because I'm tired of seeing, you know, sons and fathers and whatnot going over there to die in a war that's not got anything done for 20 years. Yeah. Uh, actually, yeah. legit, like literally, sons yeah. and fathers going to the same yeah. war. Literally, yeah. the same thing as Vietnam. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I no hyperbole there. That has happened, they, and and. <laughs> The military journals make a huge deal about how great that is, and they can't even say like, unironically talk about how great that is, which I'm sure it is great for, for the for the uh, fat cats that the military journals uh, are the yeah. mouthpieces of, you know. But a good story. Yeah. So we can kind of, you know, I think we've covered that. Yeah, I, I yeah. could probably do a full episode on Afghanistan to be honest with you. But oh, I do want to. I, I want to say one more thing. So I was seeing an article about the Afghani's dragging girls out of their huts and making them fight for them as, as you know, at, at an early age of like 12 or 13, some reports said, and I was just questioning whether that was the, whether those reports were as corroborated as the reports of Saddam going into Kuwaiti hospitals and killing the babies in the incubators or, you know, Gaddafi going down to uh, Benghazi and killing a hundred thousand civilians or, or Assad just waking up one day and perpetuating chemical warfare on the Arab Springs uh, Democratic protesters in the streets who the Americans were backing, who were actually the offspring of ISIS. You know, 
I, I was just wondering if that story or the stories that have been coming out about the Taliban were as corroborated as those stories that were pushed by you know, the likes of CNN and the New York Times and the, the Wall Street Post. But that's just, you know, whatever. Yeah. That was just one little thing I wanted to get in. And uh, But we can kind of shift now, you know, for the remainder of this podcast to talk about another very important thing that has happened in the last few days with the Senate passing the $1 trillion infrastructure bill. And, uh, you know, in that bill, there's a lot of unsavory things, which, like Blake said before we aired on this episode, you can't ever really know what's in the bill because it's government and, and, and government thrives on secrecy and and uh, darkness and, and unclarifications because if we knew what they were doing, we'd overthrow them immediately. So, uh, Blake, do you want to talk a little bit about the infrastructure bill coming down the pipeline at us? Yeah, well, like you said, I think I read it was like 2,700-some pages, so obviously nobody's going to read that. Nobody that's voting for the bill is going to read that. But it's $1.2 trillion, I think is what I read, and it's chock full of stuff that isn't infrastructure. I think I saw somebody estimate that maybe a third of it was actually infrastructure. The rest of it is ridiculous stuff, like they're wanting to add a mileage tax now, so we'll not only be taxed at the gas pump for uh, you know road repairs and whatnot, we'll also be taxed by the mile and what was the other thing i got a list here oh they're wanting to add a requirement for breathalyzer yeah. devices on all new vehicles another ridiculous thing so now even people's grandmas that's never had a drop of alcohol in their life if they want to go buy a new car they're gonna to have to blow in it to, to prove they're not been drinking it's it's i don't think it's terrible terribly worse than any other spending bill for the government is just i'm getting really tired at this point we spent like what six trillion dollars over the last year but that wasn't enough i've got More. to spend another trillion and a half and they still got a three and a half trillion dollar spending bill coming by wants to pass after this so we'll see how it goes i guess it's yeah. it's uh it makes me a bit pessimistic reading through all of it yeah, I and you know, another thing, we talked about it last week, which, you know, last week, we or two weeks ago, we, we took a break last week, we, we kind of ran it about the vaccines, and by we, I mean me, but, you know, it, it is important to see what the left, and you know, in some cases, the right is doing here. They, they've said, okay, these people are not going to allow the government to, to impose such draconian measures on us. You know, like, there's a limit, and I think we hit that limit during the lockdowns. Yeah. But a great, you know, loophole is is we can make the companies who has all these lobbyists in Washington and want all these backdoor deals to get these government subsidies and government contracts to to impose these these limitations on people and and restrict their freedom through that. And I I think yeah. that with the breathalyzer thing, it's the same thing. You know, the the breathalyzer companies are are shaking in their boots right now, happy, not scared. You know, they're, they're yeah. excited about this and you, you know, they have lobbyists in Washington and, and same with big pharma and the vaccine mandates and, and all these private companies being pressured by the government to impose these vaccine mandates on their employees. And, and this is corporate fascism. That's what corporate fascism is. And when we've entered, we've been in this phase for a while, but I think now we're really outlining to people who have not been awake to that, that, Capitalism has, quote unquote, failed because we, we've left capitalism in the late 1800s and entered into a sort of cronyism. And from that, we grew into a corporate fascist state. And that's where we're at now. These companies can't say no to the government. 
If they say no to the, these companies, you know, 30, 40 percent of their revenue comes from government contracts and subsidies. They'd be done in, yeah. in, in minutes if they said no to the government. So, yeah, they're going to impose the mandates. They're going to put breathalyzers in the car. You know, that's that's the back door to take your freedoms. I mean, it really is. It's not me being hyperbolic at all. Like, I, I, I think that that's true. Uh, Rock or Blake, you got a comment on that? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I, I just think it's a little bit ridiculous with the mileage tax. And then I think it's another ploy to try to push everybody to get electric vehicles, which I, I'm not like a Tucker Carlson type person who says that uh, we shouldn't allow any kind of electric or self-driving vehicles whatsoever because it might hurt hurt jobs or anything like that. But I just don't think it's I don't think it's something that they should force on people because you know who it's going to hurt. Is going to hurt the low, low to middle class that uh, they always claim to be helping. Nah, they'll, and, they'll, they'll make sure they get a ride. Oh, unless they unless they make so, it free, yeah. unless they make it free, like no tax within a certain uh, wage gap. But I mean, there's no way to actually look at that kind of stuff because, like what Blake said, it's all in secrecy, and we won't know until they want us to know. Of course, yeah, Blake. Do you have if any, they like, want us to know? Do you have anything to say about you, the corporate fascism? Have you heard anybody like pushing for a well, I have heard people pushing for a mileage tax, but anybody that wanted to put breathalyzers in cars or anything, I mean, that's not even something popular that, that's been a big push. It's like, well, it's how government works. They'll find something and they'll, they'll implement it before even body realizes what's going on. But well, on top of what you said, Rock, yeah. I mean, there's subsidies for electric vehicles. They're spending on yep. advanced racial equity and environmental justice. They're pouring more money into Amtrak and railroads, which has been uh, uh, not technologically advanced transportation system for you know a century at this point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's Joe Biden's pet project. He loves Amtrak. So yeah, yeah well, no wonder. <laughs> well, when you were born yeah. in 1857, you, 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 some yeah. people have a fascination with trains. So, you know, <laughs> I, what you said about the, the corporate fascism. Um, yeah, I... I I don't know. Did y'all see the the story about Apple that they're going to put a backdoor into iPhones now to yes the screen iMessages for I think they're using the excuse child abuse or yes. sexual exploitation or something yeah child yeah child porn is what they're saying I believe rocks yeah. in trouble I'll show up yeah I mean that's that's <laughs> most certainly a backdoor that's a Trojan horse and and yeah. and it's very clever of course because the left's very clever. Because, it's always for the children. Yes, the right is big on anti-pedophilia, anti-child form. You know, rightfully so, I'm big on that as well. But yeah. the right doesn't exactly see into the future when they're making decisions. So, yeah, yeah but to, 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 to what you were saying, Blake, they didn't just randomly. So, I actually, I've heard the rumblings of putting breathalyzers in vehicles for about five years now. Like, I've heard, like, uh -huh. here and there a little bit, but nothing, like, popular, like what you were saying. But let's yeah. be honest, they didn't just find this little project themselves. Oh, no. The lobbyists and the money found the right people right. in the Senate. That's what happened. Yeah. That's what always happens. That's why the vaccine's being pushed so hard. It's because the money finds the right people, and the right people can push things down the pipe at us. You know, yeah. I, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just expanding on no, what I'm you said. No, I'm just saying, well, the way this representative democracy is supposed to work is people are supposed to elect the representatives knowing that they're going to decide on things they know about. But if we never even know what they're considering before they pass it, it's hard to hold them accountable for anything. Quote, unquote, supposed to work. Right. 
Yeah, I think that the same argument can be made for the last 20 years in Afghanistan or the Soviet Union's 20 years in Afghanistan or our 20 years in Vietnam where we haven't learned from that and, and it's ridiculous that we haven't. I think that we could also learn from that in the last one to 200 years that this system hasn't worked as well. But that's another conversation for another time. But, you know, maybe it's time to move to a more modern way of governing, which is not governing. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that corporate fascism, like I said, we've been in this type of quasi-corporate fascist system for a while. But now with the vaccine mandates coming down from private companies and, and breathalyzers and, and all these cars companies, you know, car companies will bow down to the government immediately because who is the first person that bails them out when things go wrong? You know, the federal yep. government. And they've got to do that. The, the government is basically the kingpin of these of these industries at this point. So, yeah, they're going to, you know, it's, it's how corporate fascism works. So the government, you know, they have a back door to our freedoms and we're not going to have a lot to say about it. But I will say this. I was thinking about this. And at the right, you know, the leadership on the right had half a brain, which as we all know, and if you listen to this podcast, they do not. If they had half a brain, they would be talking to their supporters and their business owners and say, we need to fight fire with fire. And by that, I mean, instead of whining about the government backdooring the vaccine mandates into private companies who are taking these subsidies and grants from the government and and basically are bowing down and doing what they say, because that's a losing battle because they're just going to say it's a private company. The way to fight fire with fire is to tell all these conservative business owners to say, hey, you want to work for us? Can't have an abortion. Or, you know, Christian conservatives, you want to work for us? Can't be a homosexual, which I don't agree with. But, you, I mean, I'm saying, you know, I, I personally wouldn't do that. But, you know, I'm just saying if you want to fight fire with fire, that's that's where you fight it. You don't complain to the government who's just or to the left who's just going to come at you with the same platitude of this is a private company. They, you use that. And then as soon as that starts to happen, this whole thing's going to implode on itself. I'm not, I don't think that's a sustainable way forward. I don't think that would ever hold up in court, but it would really outline what the left is trying to do. If the right fault fire with fire, but instead we have Charlie Kirk screaming about Israel or Tucker Carlson screaming about the next tranny who's in the military, you know, it, yeah. it, that's what bothers me about the right is there's no actual solutions. We've talked about it ad nauseum. I'm not going to get into it, but they're a reactionary party. Yeah, completely useless. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, yeah, I, I can't say it enough. And, you know, I don't want to attack people who might lean that way. But, yeah, your leaders are completely useless and they're brainless, man. Yeah. Like, I think 26 Republicans voted for the pass on the infrastructure. Including so. our two senators here in the great state yep. of North Carolina, both Republicans. Both of them. Yep. yep. That was uh, not shocking. <laughs> you yeah. know but it, it is what it is you know yeah i i you know we wanted to do this podcast we were gonna we were leaning another way after the last one we really got into the vaccine mandates but we thought that the afghanistan deal and the trillion dollar infrastructure plan and then the 3.5 trillion dollar infrastructure plan that's coming right after that down the pipeline was a big enough deal to have an episode about and i think that maybe the listeners will really get something out of this. Um, we didn't even get to the other vaccine mandates. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> we're going to talk about, so we're, we're going to talk about more vaccine stuff. 
Well, we kind of, we touched on. It. I didn't want to really spend too yeah. much time on it. You know. Yeah, we talked about it a lot last week. Yeah, we we did talk about it ad nauseum. It's just like you know, this is corporate fascism. See it for what it is. Just like the social media crackdowns, corporate fascism. I mean, I'm not. Yeah. You know, it, as a libertarian, people always say it's a private company. Okay, I understand that too because that was my take for a while. But let's also understand what's going on 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 behind the scenes. Is these companies really are they're quasi public goods companies to be honest with you i mean they've taken so much government money and subsidies that we can basically call them that so i would Especially be fine healthcare. oh oh yeah. buddy yeah we yeah, can do a whole no private <laughs> hospitals or i'm yeah. actually because i've read a lot into it which i was completely uneducated about until recently i'd actually wouldn't mind doing you know half an episode about that because people don't understand how that stuff works you know but yeah for sure, healthcare, and yeah. you know, you know, like we said, the auto industry and the banking industry, like those, are, those are the three biggies. You know, those are those are the ones that have taken the most yeah. government and, and transportation for sure, and infrastructure companies. You know, I, I, well, never mind. Um, yeah, so, yeah. So, I think you know, if you guys don't have anything to add, we can wrap it up there. I think we touched on Afghanistan nicely. Oh, I, I want to say one more thing about Afghanistan before we get off. So the Wall Street Journal said, Biden's administration withdrawal out of Afghan Afghanistan makes winners out of Iran, Al-Qaeda, and ISIS. <laughs> yeah. So, I would like to pose the question, why did we make winners out of Iran, Al-Qaeda, and ISIS when we toppled the Sunni and secular government in Iraq under Saddam Hussein in 2002. But that question won't be answered, and these are the same people who for who advocated for that when we installed a Shiite government in Iraq who is basically a, a lapdog for uh, uh, Tehran. And you know, but now you know, in the 2010s, our our policy shifted to anti-Iran again, which we were always basically anti-Iran, but. Mossad and the IDF and the Israeli Prime Minister really got involved and, and directed American or redirected American foreign policy to that to that end. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me to see the Wall Street Journal saying something like that. I just would like to pose the question, why were you in support for a war that literally made Iran the dominant um, superpower in the region? It's not going to be answered because the Shiite majority in Iran and especially in Tehran of course, love the fact that the Dawa party in Iraq took power after we toppled the Sunni majority. So, I mean, you know, it's just, it's around we go in this vicious circle of they, they can, the corporate press can say whatever they want and people will forget because they're not educated enough on the subject. Like I said, the majority of people don't even know the difference between Sunnis and Shiites, which is a ginormous still in the Middle East. And, yeah. and you know, it's just, I wanted to throw that you in as well. It's really hard to blame people, though, when you're trying to keep up who all the U.S. government supported over the last, you know, five or six decades. Oh, of course. I mean, but we've supported Al-Qaeda. We've fought Al-Qaeda. We've supported ISIS. We've fought ISIS. We've supported the Shiites, the Sunnis. We've supported Iran and Iraq. You know, it's hard to keep up with, even for somebody that reads a lot of it. Yeah, but it is your we duty. Fight, we supported. I'm sorry, That's Rock. It. Go ahead. <laughs> I, said, I said everybody that we've, we, we've fought, we've supported that's that's a good way to think of it. Quite literally, <laughs> quite literally, that's the truth. As as uh, Dave Smith's famous line is, uh, what is it? Um, 
if you want to know who America's next enemy is, look who we're arming now, or look who we're, yeah, supporting, you know, look who yep. we're supporting now. And, you know, yep. it reigns true. And, and yep. America has literally only destroyed in the Middle East for the last 25 years. It's time to leave. And I don't just mean leave Afghanistan. I, leave, I mean, leave Saudi Arabia, who, you know, maybe we can go five more minutes. I do want to talk about this, actually. <laughs> when we, we used the Iraqi war and 9-11 as a reason to put American bases in Saudi Arabia and, and, and on the peninsula, which, as you know, is a big no-no to, to Arab people. And then we, right. we backdoored our way into those bases and then said we couldn't leave, which I believe was the main reason why we wanted to topple Saddam and stay in the Middle East, is, is to have bases in that part of the world, like permanent bases. And let's talk about the fact that we quite literally do Saudi Arabia's bidding in the Middle East. And at, at the very least, as a listener of this podcast, I would encourage you to look into the Saudi Arabian ties to 9-11. At the very least, and to the Saudi Arabian ties to the Sunni fighters in Iraq who fought us, and the uh, Saudi Arabian ties to the uh, to Al Qaeda. I've just look into it. I'm not making any claims, but please look into that. And and we do Saudi Arabia's bidding daily, because Saudi Arabia is what I mean. I'm sure you would agree with this, but like the second or third superpower in that region. I mean, I'd say them and Israel. Yeah, it's- yeah, well, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Israel. Yeah, yeah, that's probably how I'd rank it. Israel likes to think of themselves a little bit more highly, but without their daddy's support, they'd be nothing, quite literally. But, you know, we, we've done Saudi Arabia and Israel's bidding. But to be honest with you, you know, we did Tehran's bidding in the Iraqi war, and we really did Tehran's bidding early in the Afghani war. But... We don't have to get into that. I would like to do a, a whole Middle Eastern podcast just because I'm really working yeah. through this book at this point, and it's a very good book. But, uh, you know, I think we can end it there. I think this is a really good podcast, especially for somebody who might not know exactly what's going on with the Taliban and with Afghanistan. And I, you know what? I, I really would like to do a uh, like a history of American involvement in, in the Middle East, actually. So. Yeah. You know, but this, I think this was a good starter for that. And then we talked about some corporate fascism, which I really wanted to get to because I hope people are really on both sides of the aisle opening up their eyes to what's going on in Washington, D.C. and with these large companies, like these, these, these ginormous corporate companies who want all these barriers of entry into these industries uh, so they can receive these government subsidies and grants. Um, Blake, do you have any closing statements before we sign off tonight? I think we got everything pretty wrapped up. I agree. Uh, uh, I'm I'm yeah. I'm happy about the information that was spread in this podcast. To be honest with you, I think we touched on some stuff and, and went deeply dived into some stuff that we needed to. Uh, Rock, do you have any closing statements on what we've talked about tonight? Whether it be corporate fascism or Afghanistan or the mandated jabs or or you know your child porn addiction. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, a I mean, That's a joke. <laughs> I'd just like to go back and stress one more time that whenever um, whenever anybody stresses isolationism and the fact that we don't like uh, to be over there in Afghanistan, it's not taking the sacrifice that our troops have made previously lightly. Um, that's really the main thing um, that, that we that we do that we do respect of their their sacrifice. Uh, we we might not agree that they should have been over there, but uh, we do respect them. 
and their choice to be over there and fight for our country. Yeah, I'm actually glad you made that point again. I mean, like, I'll, I'm yeah. literally going to say the same thing as Rock said, but I have that most respect for people like Tim Kennedy. That doesn't mean I won't call him wrong. I have that most respect for people like, what's his name, IPAT, the, the one-eyed John McCain, for what he did. Crenshaw. Know. Yeah, Crenshaw. Yeah. That doesn't mean I'm not going to call him wrong because he's wrong, and so is Tim Kennedy. You know, yeah. I, you know, so that's an important point. Like, outside of what you did, thank you, or, you know, whatever. I respect it, but now we're going to have an intellectual debate. So I don't care if you can bash my head in or not. We're going to have an intellectual debate now, so you better read some books. And obviously these people haven't. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm I'm glad that I'm glad you made that point. Yeah, so I think uh, I think we're gonna sign off now. I think this is a good podcast. We hope you guys come back. We're definitely at some point going to have the anarcho-capitalist debate that we were planning on having with Mr. Keaton Browder, and then also I really want to talk about the history of U.S. involvement in the Middle East, kind of a brief overview. Blake, what do you yeah. uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that'd be a really good one to do. Okay. Uh, yeah, so let us know. We're on Instagram at thelibertypole.com or thelibertypole. We're online at thelibertypole.com. You know, let let us know your feedback, and uh, we appreciate appreciate you guys listening. We've been getting a lot of listeners lately, and I can't stress how grateful I am for that. I mean, anybody who would take time to hear my ramblings about things that I probably don't even know what I'm talking about. And same with Blake and Rock. You know, we we greatly appreciate you guys this time. Whatever. All jokes aside, and. Uh, we, go, we will see you guys next week, and we appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Thank you.